0: Welcome to the inbox on this series. We are chatting to decision makers and prospects about what their inbox looks like and how we can stand out from it. So let's crack on with this episode. You're about to hear from the one and only wizard, Morgan Ingram, who unless you've been hiding under a rock, you probably know who he is. I've personally followed Morgan since I very first started sales and his wisdom and his posts and his wise words has definitely massively helped me over the years. But here's what you can expect from this episode.
1: Get the data points from Bridge Group and other resources. They also have points where it's like the number of touches get someone has increased. It went from like four to five to eight to 11.5. It's, I, it might be like in the 20s now. I haven't checked, but like <laughs> it continuously has yeah. gone up. Right. So that means that there's more volume that has gone up. There are more, there are more companies that are getting more funding, right? There are more reps that are getting higher than has ever been before. Right. The recruiting market is insane right now. So when there are more people that are there, it makes it harder.
0: So you're about to hear from someone who sees sales outreach every single day. The good, the bad, and the ugly from all different personas so thanks for joining this episode and i'm excited for you to hear some juicy nuggets from morgan so let's do this so i want to get an insight into your inbox but what's really nice about talking about you is that it's probably not just your inbox but also all of your clients and all the many people that you speak to's inbox yeah and when I'm saying inbox, I don't just mean like email. I'm talking about every channel you can think of, so phone, LinkedIn, email, and maybe the other cool channel- channels that you can think of as well. So, what do you? What's the kind of trend that you're seeing with that at the moment?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's really interesting to look at what my inbox was like when I first started off as an SDR to now, cause it's, <laughs> it's like completely different, right? You're just like, you're like, I don't even know what's even in here now. A lot of it is people still not, you know, people just having very generic emails. I think targeting is still a massive obstacle where people will message me about things that I have no use for. And if you did like five seconds of research, you would have found that. I found it interesting though, that I don't get a lot of, personalized emails or even because i talk about it literally every day personalized videos i don't get a lot of them and if you took like again 10 seconds you would be like oh cool maybe that's how morgan would respond to me and uh, the majority of stuff i get is very generic and i would say a lot of that stuff as well just because i post a good amount of content are people asking for time so hey can i get like 20 30 minutes of your time to just for advice and i found that when I first started out, I would take all the calls. I don't take really any of those calls now. It's not because I'm mean. It's because I realized that when I took those calls, like I got asked the same questions. Where's your background? How'd you get started? And, and it's just like, again, if you go do some research, these questions could be answered. And now I I have other things I need to do. So unless it's not like, like one person, let's talk about something good, right? One person did an amazing job. They reached out to me and said, hey, Morgan, I have a hundred accounts I'm looking to get into. These are my tier one accounts and I've already done some work on how I should reach out to them. I just want you to quickly look at it to see how you would go about it. I was like, yeah, I'll find time to talk to you because like you have a plan, right? So you're obviously someone who's gonna listen to what I have to say. I found that like a lot of people that I would take calls from and when they were like, hey, do you have 30 minutes? I would give them pretty good advice and then I would never hear from them ever again. And then they probably would regress or not do it. So it's just, that's like, what other people that's what you're up against like in my inbox is people ask me for time all the time but there's no context it's just like let's hop on a 30-minute call so we can introduce ourselves like so <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a waste of my time we're not gonna just sit here to introduce ourselves
0: i think that I got, probably think translates that. also like that generic um call to action that you just mentioned about you probably also translates to a lot of people's like prospecting emails as well like oh yeah let's jump on a call to find out more it's really generic and not really um not really sharing anything do you prefer the more specific call to actions where they're actually being more specific as to what they want to do in that time
1: yeah absolutely if we're even on prospecting emails we could go there as well but if we're going back to the example that i'm talking about because you you probably get some of these as well as you produce (laughs) content people people are like hey i want to talk to you but if it's just like Hey, I just want to like quickly introduce myself, or like, hey, we should network together. It's there's, I don't know what that means. Like, yeah, that could mean that I could hop on a call and you try to sell me something. And I, then I definitely don't have time for it. Right. So, the I find that when someone's very grainy, like, hey, I have these videos and I need you to review them. Or, mm-hmm. hey, I have, I'm about to get promoted to an SDR manager. And I've seen that you've done that before. That gets me mentally prepared to have a good conversation with you. But if it's just like, hey, let's just, chop it up and we don't know each other yeah i'm probably not going to respond to you
0: it's too broad to even like define what you'd even talk about i get the same yeah. I get people like oh i s- see you're posting um interesting content um wondering if you'd be open to like a cup of coffee in a 30 minute call and i'm like You could have copied and pasted that to every single person. It's it's probably like going to one of your prospects and being like, hey, I I see you have a website and it's (laughs) really interesting. Should we hop on a 30 minute call? It's like really generic, like just at least like share an example of this is what I found interesting. And this is what I want to talk about. You talk about cold calling in this LinkedIn post. I'm really struggling with this and I've tried three things and I would love to get your feedback on it, then I'd be like, yeah, of course I'll spend time with you. But I'm the same as you. Like if it's just generic and just kind of doing it for the sake of it, it just ends up being a bit of a time waste.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. Let's flip to, Is it? I reckon a lot of the things that you're seeing in your inbox will translate over the same to like prospects. Yeah. Inboxes as well. So let's flip it over to what you're seeing that, people that your companies that you're speaking to decision makers that you're speaking to what their inboxes also look like
1: yeah so uh we have a segment on muffins with morgan where i'll bring in executives and it's just like a (laughs) weekly show for context people don't know that is we bring in executives and we go find real-time emails and things in their linkedin even if i don't know they get a random text you know people are getting crazy out here and (laughs) we'll find certain messaging and, and they'll just send it to me and like 95 99 percent of the messaging is not good like i'm just gonna keep it real y'all it's it's not because we go through it and we grade them right so we'll be like this is a d this is an F. and every show that i've done we've only gotten maybe two or three a's and i've done it with like five people and we go through like 15 different emails and linkedin yeah. messages so that we're not just like going through two we're going through like a lot and this is them taking a deep dive y'all this isn't just them being like let's just find the bad ones because it's funny like it's very hard to find good LinkedIn messages and good emails and the point I'm getting to is that people get upset they get upset with us because they're like oh where are the good emails like we want to see the good emails and they're like that's the point y'all there isn't yeah. that many <laughs> like we're, we're showing you all the bad ones and there's only one good one because we're letting you know if you take some time you could be one of the good ones because there aren't a lot of good ones like it takes us forever to find the good ones. It's easy to find the bad ones. So what I've seen in with the executives that come on and it's, and it's the same thing with clients is that the messaging is, you think it's personalized and it's not. Let, let me give an example. This is one yeah. that, and I would obviously love hearing your opinion on this one because like, I'm like heavily against it. Some people like it, but I think it doesn't really provide value. So when you're reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, you just mentioned like, hey, I saw you have a website. Like, of course you have a website, right? The one I don't like is when it's like, hey, I saw your director of sales yeah. at sales off. And it's like, yes. Don't
0: get me started on this.
1: <laughs> I, I know that. I know that I'm the director of sales of sales off. That's not new information. But people see that as like super personalized. And I'm like, you actually just wasted, yeah. you just wasted the first sentence of your email. Like that doesn't really do anything. Now, if you went like, hey, we we've been working with a lot of directors of sales in the technology industry, and the, this is what we've learned. That's a little bit different introduction than Hey, I saw you're the director of sales at this company. Or hey, I saw that you are, I saw that you were this role and you've been in this role for X amount of time. I just these are just things I'm just suggesting to you all that like doesn't really bring any doesn't really bring any light to anything if you just leave it there. Cause that's what people do. Hey, I saw your director of sales, I saw you're at this company, and then they're like, that's my personalization. And I'm like, you can't do that. I see a lot of people will add in eight bullet points. (laughs) to express their points i've seen that a lot lately and i'm like you don't need that much like you only need three max it's overwhelming and a lot of people will lead with their product right hey we're the leading provider we're in the gartner quadrant 5000 to the left like it's like these are these are things that like they sound cool they they aren't probably getting you the meetings that you want so those are just things that i see but a lot of product-led emails about how great your product is but it has nothing to do with the person and my last point to this, and then we we'll, we can, we can dive into more of what I said is honestly, I just want everyone to take a step back and just actually read the emails you're sending. Yeah. It's fascinating when reps actually read the emails out loud and they're like, wow, this doesn't sound good. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but you've said a thousand of these and you have to ask yourself, why have you done this?
0: Or send it to the persona inside your company that you're targeting and be like, would you reply yeah. to this? Um, yeah. We do it all the time. Like sometimes, when I'm doing a an email to like a senior marketer person, I'm going to go to mm. my marketing lead, Kelly, and be like, would you reply to this? What would grab your attention instead of this? Just get feedback internally, yeah. but you're right. I think, I don't know if it's laziness or if we've just gotten so comfortable with doing the same thing. But yeah, this kind of like persona- persona-based personalization, I just really hate it. (laughs) I think maybe like 10 years ago, it might have worked. But today when things like there's dynamic tags and automation about, it's just, it doesn't take any effort at all for you to do. So it's just not going to capture anyone's attention. It's just very spammy in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it is. It's just, you have to be mindful that if you're going to mention the persona, mention something that's relevant to that scenario not just oh yeah sorry this role it's like it doesn't do anything for you
0: yeah i think just going that one layer deeper in regards to the research like if you're just going on their linkedin and you're seeing the first thing you can find that's what every other rep is going to be doing they're going to be going to the first thing that they can find whether it's in their featured section or in their bio that's the go-to thing that everyone's going to do so what can you do that's that one minute or two minute extra research that's actually going to stand out
1: yeah so i call this adding context to the context, because you could find context, right? You could be like, oh, I know this person is this role. And you actually probably took stuff further than most people because most people will just send out emails and they're not even, they don't even know who, who the role is, right? So they're just like, it is what it is, but at least you took the time to do that. Yeah. So the next step is there's a couple things. One is you can, this is a something that I think a lot of people don't know it's there and I always recommend it. If you scroll all the way down on someone's LinkedIn profile, you could see all the companies that they follow. This, sometimes they follow a lot. Sometimes they don't follow that many. It depends, right? But if they follow companies that you have that are clients or customers, you should probably mention that in your email.
0: Yeah. You can
1: be like, hey, notice that you're, you follow you know, Salesforce, and that's one of our clients. And then you could speak to that, right? And that's something that most people don't look at. Another thing you could do is look at recommendations. There could be certain words in there, yeah. certain people in there that you could mention, and you could use that as part of a leverage point. Another thing is don't hesitate to go look at what your customers are saying. So for example, let's use the director of sales, since we were on this same plane here, I could be like, Hey, like, Notice that you're the director of sales within this organization. Typically, when I see directors of sales within the technology industry, uh, we help them with this. Uh, Here is an example, right, from our customer talking about how we help them solve this problem. So that way, it's not just, I added the context still, yeah, I mentioned that role, but I'm also adding that here's a customer you work with that's in that same role, and this is what we help them with, right? So I added a little bit extra to that at the end of the day. So. You obviously can look at what they post. You also can look at what they've liked as well. So then you can add and bolster that outbound. But these are just examples. If we're just just on LinkedIn alone, that you could pull out to make sure that you're more credible when you're reaching out to people.
0: Yeah, it's just literally adding one extra thing in as well. You don't have yeah. to spend hours researching. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I find it interesting when people just go for the persona led and more generic stuff you mentioned earlier about um, a lot of product led messaging that you're seeing talk to me more about this
1: yeah so and typically when you'll reach out to somebody you'll be like hey i did i noticed this or i saw this or hey based on my research on your website i saw that you recently had this announcement around your product update or you have a new leadership like these are things that like if I were to see them in my inbox, I'm going to pay attention to and vice versa for any executive where I see most emails start and they're like, Hey, we've been in business for five years. And it's like, <laughs> I, I honestly do not care. Right. That's a quick way to delete, delete my email real quick. Or another one, which is like, they'll start with the company name. They'll be like, company name is a leading provider within the space. And I don't like leading provider because like everyone says that, so that can't be true, right? So that doesn't. The number doesn't one make...
0: company. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like what? So everything is very product led. It's like, hey, so and so company, we recently had an update, and let's t- I'm gonna tell you about the update. But the update doesn't matter yeah. because you've given me no context on why I should care about the update, why I care about your leading provider, and that's what I mean by product led emails is that you lead with how great you are, your current update, the the amazing things you've done. At the same time, if I don't have context, I do not care at all, right? It's just like if you were to hit someone up and tell them about something exciting that happened, like if I just texted a random number in my phone and said, <laughs> hey, I just recently it's got birthday. promoted. my <laughs> birthday. Yeah, it's my birthday. They'd be like, I don't know you and I don't care, right? But there's context that we have a relationship and they're like, that's cool. So it's the same thing. It's like, basically treated as yes t- texting random people it's your birthday and you can take <laughs> a random number in your phone they're probably gonna be like who are you and like what's the deal it's say this is exactly what's happening when you send these emails
0: yeah it's so true talk to me about some of the better examples because i i think there are a lot of negative examples and you know what i'm For still sure. really i'm still really surprised that people are leading with company as the leading provider like i haven't i, I don't necessarily see a buyer's inbox day today so i'm a bit shocked that these are still being uh sent still around
1: they're (laughs) still around i think it happens more on the linkedin messages than anything is what i've seen when we when we were doing the segments like people would lead with like this is us i saw one email it was I mean, we had to just stop looking at it because it looked like it was like a novel two pages long easily because it was, <laughs> it was just going through the history of like how they got to this point in their, it's just like, I don't know. You got to yeah. really, really look at your emails and ask yourself what I respond to this. And the answer probably most of the time is no, you'd be like, no, this isn't that, this isn't yeah. good. Either. So I think
0: some of this stems from the fact that a lot of SDRs or sellers are kind of um, KPI'd on activity.
1: KPI'd on activity. It, it's, there's a lot of points. That's definitely number one. Number two is sometimes the managers themselves, right. Aren't maybe doing the due diligence to look into that messaging mm. and really qualify it the right way. Maybe when they were in SDR, they had a certain way that they did it. And now they're just saying, this is the way, but yeah. it's times have changed. So they actually need to take a step back. I think a lot of it is that as an SDR, even as an AE, AE, you might, you might just be like, I'm just going to send this messaging out and I'm not going to take the time to really dive into it. Mm-hmm. But from an SCR standpoint, you might be like, you might be restricted from your management team to change it. And you know, it should change, but like, they're not allowing you to. So that's another thing, right? Or marketing is writing your messaging, which you should not let happen because they're not going to have the same context. I'm not trying to roast you marketing, but like, it's just not <laughs> going to be the same context. Like we can have an honest conversation. Yeah, it's not right. So these are the scenarios that happen. And that's why it leads to buyers getting confused, upset, or just overall not responding to you. Now, again, there's some, there's some really good ones out there, right? I've seen some, some good ones. I'll talk, I'll talk about one, one thing that you can do for sure. And it's going to be different for each industry. So Take this with the context of where I'm saying this, but podcasts are just an amazing way to get meetings with people. Like if you listen to their episodes, you get information from it. So one that we saw that was really good is they took one of their one of the points they made in the episode and used that as a subject line. And I forgot exactly what it said, but it was the subject line. And then it was like, Hey, really loved your and just started on, you know, started with some real context. Really loved mm-hmm. your episode and listened to the whole thing. And this is the one thing that stood out to me. And then they said. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because we provide a solution that helps with that thing and want to see if you'd be open to the conversation. Now that led to an immediate response because you took the time to understand that person. And then you brought up something that was relevant to obviously your solution, but at the same time, it wasn't like product led. It was just like, I found something that you said, this is, I just wanted to, I just want to simply introduce this to you because it aligned with what you were talking about, which then in as that goes on, that should lead to someone wanting to respond and wanting to talk to you. So that's one really good example across the board. I actually had another person screen share videos. I know you know about that, but the thing is, is that like someone screen shared a, this was like when I was creating the SR Chronicles, they screen shared a video and they like went to the segment of the the video of the interview and talked about something that I had mentioned. And then they used that part of the video to then ask me if I wanted to see this product. I a hundred percent said, yes, I didn't end up getting a product because it wasn't, there wasn't a use case for us at the end of the day, but that was an immediate response for me. So things like this are, are reasons that I will respond. And I just mentioned another executive on why they would respond. Uh, You can continuously use, you can use other information, right? You can go look at people's posts. You can go look at, if you don't have anything there, you can go look at the website and look at people's quotes. That's another way to stand out as well. When I see these things, that's when it's, it's relevant. And I know at the end of the day, everyone's sick of people saying like, bring value, do research, but at the end of the day, that's actually really what it is. And it's being consistent around that because you could do what I just said one day out of the year and get a good response and be fired up. But imagine if you did this process every day, you'll have completely different results than most people.
0: It's going to take a little bit longer as well. It's not going to take the typical five seconds to blast out an email, Yeah. but I completely agree. It's so much, it's so much more worth it just spending a bit of time. Like I did one with a prospect Last week, and I just Googled their name, found out a bit about why they joined the company, Googled the company's name, looked at the news just to understand like what the goal was. And just by me doing that, which realistically took an extra, what, two, three minutes, just from doing that, my messaging to them was so much more accurate than me just being like, oh, I Mm -hmm. see you're a sales director.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you reckon some of, because I always think about this, like, I never send spammy messaging and like a lot of the time my stuff doesn't get seen just like everyone else's. Yeah. Do you think it's partly because they're so frustrated with the amount of like generic stuff in their inbox? Mm -hmm. Or do you think it's balancing the act between internal communication and external? What do you think it is that it's so difficult for us to stand out today?
1: Uh, I think it's three main things. I think you could even add to these three things the more I've talked to clients about it and everything we talked about with this inbox perspective it's these three. Number one is what you just mentioned, there's an increased level of noise, right? So I was looking at like a historical data set of prospecting and of email sends and and cold calls. And despite obviously when COVID happened, there was that lull of obviously it was way less, but up until that point, it continuously has increased. And if you look at the data points from bridge group and other resources, they also have points where it's like, the number of touches to get someone has increased. It went from like four to five to eight to 11.5. It's, in my own, it might be like in the twenties now I haven't checked, but like <laughs> it continuously has yeah. gone up. Right. So that means that there's more volume that has gone up. There are more, there are more companies that are getting more funding, right. There are more reps that are getting higher than has ever been before. Right. The recruiting market is insane right now. So when there are more people that are there, it makes it harder. It's, if you can almost almost relate it to music, there are more and more artists that are out there than ever before because there is no middleman, right? People can go on SoundCloud and go create a mixtape and blow up out of nowhere. So when there's an increased number of noise, right, it is going to be inherently harder to break through, which requires you to think outside the box and be strategic and not just stay in your old ways. And that's what I talk about all the time. Like you have to break through the noise. You can't just be like, I did this six months ago and it worked because it may not work moving forward. Right. So like, that's number one, number two is as a whole. Buyers have gotten more knowledgeable because they, they know what they're looking for in the market for the most part. And before they didn't have that knowledge of the products. They didn't have those insights. So the seller was the person bringing the information. Now the buyers are more educated. So it's easier for me to ignore you because I know I don't need that. There's no reason for me to hop on the call because it's not relevant to what I'm working on. So because buyers have become more knowledgeable, you can't just leave with your product and say we're the best in the world because uh, everyone says that. And also I can quickly check that and see that you may be not, being, <laughs> right? So like yeah. it's a, there's a difference because I have the information now, I'm more educated and there are more channels. So I can be more educated, but that leads to me getting bombarded more, which goes back to point number one. The third point is the most important point, And it's something that if you really think about it, it will make you less emotional about not people people replying back to you. It's timing. Everything, everything is about timing. You're, the relationships that you have is about timing. If you meet someone at a certain time, that could have been your person, but maybe it wasn't, right? Because the timing was off. If you interview for a job, maybe you were good for that job, but the timing of the organization was off. So if you would have joined the company, it would have been bad for you. So timing is absolutely everything. So even if I do the best video, the -hmm. best pitch, the best cold call, that person still may say no or ignore me because the timing's off. Maybe the person you're reaching out to is about to leave in two months. You could have the best email, but they can't help you. They're about to leave, right? So these are just things to also take in consideration that timing is absolutely critical. And if you look at anything, right? Movies, sports, certain companies, Timing is the most important part because, for example, we could look at a blockbuster Netflix situation. All that had to do with its timing, right? Like Netflix came at the perfect time. If Netflix had come before a blockbuster, that maybe that doesn't work, right? So you always have to think about, hey, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. This is a great idea. This is a great strategy. Your timing could be off. And once you realize that, you don't get emotional about like, oh, that person didn't reply to me because my email was perfect. Your timing could have been off. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about that, no matter how much research you do. Sometimes you just don't know what's happening internally.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important to know that don't necessarily change your approach just because you're not getting as many replies. If you're doing your research and you know your messaging is good and you're being relevant and you're being persistent, it's such a... A key point that it's timing. How do you yeah. encourage people to kind of scale their outreach? Because listening to a podcast every single time you want to reach out to someone isn't scalable. So, how do you reckon people can scale this? So they're being yeah. personalized and researched, but also maintaining that consistency as well.
1: Yeah, go be personalized and good luck, right? <laughs> but no, there, so this is, I, I broke it down based on math because. I'm a math person. I majored in finance. So it's easier for me to break down things in math format. And then once you're able to do that, you realize, oh, this isn't as hard as I thought it would be because when people talk about personalization, they might be like, you need to do a thousand personalized emails a year. That's very, that sounds daunting. You're like a thousand emails a year. Like I can't do that. And if it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, go personalize your emails every touch. You're like, that also is overwhelming. So depending on what your segment is, and if you're enterprise and market SMB, you're not reaching out to as many accounts. You could use this framework. You just have to adjust it. Now, there are obviously going to be accounts that you go after, and they're going to have what we like to call scalable messaging, where Mm -hmm. you still can lead with relevance, but you don't necessarily have to be super personalized, right? And you can figure out what those accounts are. I can't tell you what your tier twos are, but you should have a segment of accounts that are volume-based, but they're not product-led prospecting emails. They're just talking about how, hey, I know this might be one of your challenges as a director of sales or an IT director. You lead with relevant insights, but you don't do that deep dive research. Now, how do you do personalized emails at a scale where you actually can get 1,000 to 1,200 emails a year I follow the same strategy and it's helped me build a really good pipeline to the point where you, you, you end up having so much pipeline that you can <laughs> consistently do it if you want to, or you're just like, I'm good. Right? So let's just keep it really simple and let's just say five. So let's say if you did five personalized touches a day, block off 45 to 60 minutes to do that, right? That's enough time for you to do this. Let's say you did two personalized videos and three personalized emails and those are unique to each contact. So they're just five different people. They could be in the same company, but they're five different people. So if you were to do that every single business day for the week, you would have 25 emails or 25 personalized touches for the week. Then if you did that for a month, that would be a hundred. If you did that for 10 months, right? That's becomes a thousand, right? You kept doing that, right? You can get over to 2000, 3000. My point is, if you just did that for a month, someone were to listen to this and be like, you know what, for December is tough, let's just use January. For the month of January, I'm just gonna commit to this, right? For the entire month. Let's just say a clean slate of 10% of those 100 touches turn into meetings. You just got yourself 10 meetings off of 45 to 60 minutes a day of work. And if you get better over time, imagine if that gets to 20, 30, right? Because you're getting better at doing this stuff that I'm mentioning and you could do it faster. 60 minutes could turn into 30 minutes. My point is, is that if you follow that math, you're consistently getting better where most people don't even do five personalized touches ever in their career. They just continuously do volume because they get responses. But what if you made it super quality on top of your volume? And I, those are just 10 meetings off of the, the month off of personalized touches. I'm not even counting the other things that you're doing that will lead to meetings regardless. So that's the way that I think about it. And that's how I think everyone should think about it because once you do the math, you're like, this is not as hard as I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, I think people do massively overwhelm the idea of personalizing. They're like, it's gonna take me so long and spend hours yep. on it, but yeah, I don't spend that long on personalizing or researching I probably do my research in five minutes and then another five minutes for an uh, email or a video. So exactly. I think doing what you've said and breaking it down into the maths and then it actually is really achievable and easy. Thanks Morgan for joining me on episode four and thanks everyone for listening.